strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another edition of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Today, we go over not taking things for granted. Uh, I think we could all attest to normal life would be great right now. Things that we all got used to for the past three plus decades have been yanked. Mostly just freedom of being able to walk around. I I know, Corey, you and I in New York have seen that on another level, but Dan has as well, as has, as has everybody around the country. Uh, that's why I thought it was fitting this week that we were going to dive into George Orwell's 1984. And before we do that, though, obviously, we've got our normal routine with the food news. But we're actually, Corey brought up a great point. We're going to start doing current events instead of food news since there's way more to dive into beyond just food, especially with what's going on now. So... We're going to let Dan dive into that, and then Corey will go into the food for thought. But let's start off with uh, Sunday Night Food Comas. Corey, what went on last night? Oh, man. Uh, I had uh, Sarah made some homemade nachos, chicken nachos that were amazing. I ate, like, a huge plate of those. That was kind of my lunch. And then I had uh, pasta with um, with shrimp for dinner, had some chocolate brownies, and that, that was pretty much it for me. But it was – uh, it was a chocolate really, brownies. Yeah, man, I was just all in yesterday. It was like the first day, I was just completely all in. Worked out hard all week. Didn't work out yesterday and just ate my face off, and I I loved it. So you pulled a Dan Roland. Dan took over your body for Sunday. Yeah, exactly. It was a sweet tooth Dan move, and I, uh, I don't, I don't yeah, regret I it. Like, I feel like Corey kind of snuck in the chocolate brownie comment. Like, he was throwing out all the things he ate, and then he was like, yeah, and some chocolate brownies. Like, lowered his voice. It's like, yeah, we yeah, can get <laughs> closer to the mic. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's better. Yeah, I, I mean, that it's good to know, Corey. That shows you're back to, like, 110% full strength when you're busting out workouts all week and going hard in the paint on dessert. That's when we know Corey's yeah. really back here. Oh yeah, feels good to be back. Good to have you back. And what's the uh, what's on the agenda tonight for food? Uh, you know, it's a, that's a good question. It's I'm not honestly tired of like uh, that's all I talk about now is what's what what's what, what am I eating next? What's you know what's for dinner? What's for lunch? What's for breakfast? It's the only thing keeping me occupied besides work. So <laughs> honestly, I'm like tired of even thinking about it. Whatever. Sarah cooks or orders I'm down with I don't even care anymore <laughs> I love it I yeah it's gotten to that point I'm with you man the fatigue of just the same delivery a lot of the restaurants have closed so it's not even I feel like I'm in Logan Utah with food options right now it's ridiculous I'm like this is the big apple <laughs> seriously yeah Dan how about you yeah speaking of a lot of restaurants being closed i don't know if it was just like a busy time last night or if because it's sunday or what's going on but i went on uber eats and there were only like four restaurants available for delivery which sucks because there's normally a lot maybe they're going out of business 
Let's start that rumor. <laughs> I like it. So, yeah, yeah. we're reporting, Bootstrapped in the Trenches is reporting that Uber may be going bankrupt. You guys heard that here. <laughs> so, is it a rumor? I have no idea, but it, it came from something. So, food for thought. I mean, we, we know our you CTO know, has been that for years. You know, anytime a CEO feels the need to let the shareholders know that they have enough cash to get through this, to me, they don't. And that's like a panic button that he pressed. When he t- when he said that a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, man, Uber's in trouble. They're going under. So, yeah, Uber's going bankrupt. What is a company like? How much money does a company like Lyft need in order to stay alive? I mean, they're easily getting killed the last two months. And obviously, you know, Uber has other businesses to hold its own. But Lyft has nothing. I'm curious if Lyft is making massive layoffs right now because what they really just need is to maintain their app and their service. And once people are allowed to go back to their normal lives, the drivers are going to be there. So, but yeah, I'm sure just seeing like what our expenses are for technology, theirs are probably a million times that just for like the servers to keep their stuff going at the level that it's at. So yeah, it's a, Interesting. Damn, I just saw a stork fly by and take a massive shit all over the room. <laughs> it sounds like Dan's getting ready to have a kid. That, that's what that signals right there. A stork. A stork. <laughs> See a stork my entire life outside of a book. They're they're everywhere out here. They're that's like a cool. common that's bird here. So that's not that's not even weird that I just saw one. I'm seeing like 80 of them a day. But all right, back to my food. Last night I had chicken tenders with fries, like a huge order of chicken tenders and fries. And I also got a house salad. And I know that just sounds like shit, but I've been eating great. I know I sold. That's a Diet Coke with a Big Mac, Dan. What is a house salad with chicken tenders? What's the point of that? (laughs) Dude, I was not happy at all with my meal. The problem was Uber Eats was like shut down last night and my options were very limited. Danny goes to bed early during the weekday. So I try and avoid cooking during the weekday if she's already sleeping because I don't want to like rattle the kitchen and all that. So last night I knew going into the night I went golfing and I came home from golfing kind of late and I knew I was going to order delivery and I was pumped because there's all kinds of good options and I went on there. And another thing that really pisses me off about Uber Eats, I'm just going to dog on Uber all podcast now. So our our app is sick because when a restaurant's closed, it shows that they're closed. It saves the customer from clicking on the restaurant. Uber doesn't do that. It's the dumbest thing ever. So when you're going on their list of restaurants, you have to click on a restaurant that looks like it's open and then it says restaurant unavailable. It's like, well, then why the fuck are you showing it to me? I don't want to see an unavailable restaurant. Get my hopes up about some Thai food only to see. And then like if you miss it at first, you start trying to add things to the cart. And it's just like item unavailable, item unavailable. And it's like that's what was happening last night. It was really that, frustrating. Dan, I had the exact experience with Delivery.com, who I I hate, but I keep using them. They're just I'm just used to it, but I hate them. But they do the same exact thing. They literally, I was ordering from a restaurant. I added my full meal, went to check out. This restaurant is closed. As soon as I check out, I, it nothing. It really triggered me. I'm still triggered. They about should pay people for wasting their time going through a menu if they can't. That should be like a new thing with how much money these companies bleed anyway. It's like, from now on, if you're on a menu that's unavailable and you're spending any time on it, we're gonna pay you. Cause you know, they already dump money into everything anyway. Why not throw that promo out there? Cause they definitely, I've seen Uber has been way off point with 
adding uh, like adding actual modifications to menus, they don't go over details well at all. They'll just forget to do add-ons or just not give a shit. And as a consumer, that makes me sway away from using them because I want to be able to order actual menu items, not just basic shit where you know something's not going to come with something on it because they're not putting it in the modifications. Last night when I went to order the meal that I ordered, part of the reason I didn't end up getting what I wanted was there was this meal that came with two sides. And when I went to click it, it didn't give me the option to choose two sides. Like that exact same thing that you're talking about. Yeah. And here's the thing. We know because we run these websites, all these things like are easy to do even i mean and they normally do it it's just a matter of they're probably adding all these restaurants really quick so they're not doing it but here's the thing with us when a restaurant's closed you can't order from them can't even view them unless you go out of your way to find restaurants that are closed so it's honestly ridiculous that our competitors that are supposed to be even more tech savvy just aren't their their apps suck when it comes down to a pandemic i think the detail goes to shit when you're too big there's just things that slip through the cracks no matter what. And that's, I've seen the same thing here with Grubhub. When I was on there last night, they had three or four restaurants that were closed that showed as open. And you yep. you couldn't even find out until the wait end at checkout that it was unavailable as though they just closed. Like they played it off like, oh, they're now closed. It's like they've been closed. You're just trying to save face in your tech. So the, I see that's a game they play a lot too of kind of blaming the consumer while browsing subtly which i think is pretty interesting and typical maloney bullshit craft that guy loves just playing his game of saying something and meaning something completely different For and also there's maloney's the ceo of grubhub yeah i am at, not maloney, just so you know i can't stand watching you on television hearing anything you say <laughs> just annoy the hell out of me. it's not yeah. a dude i would just, if we were in this space like if someone's like mike I want you to go golf with this guy and be like, fuck off. Absolutely. Yeah. And also a lot of these competitors, they let the restaurants update the app. And I feel like that just leads to a lot of mistakes because you have restaurants just building their own menus or fixing things and, you know, they don't have time to do it. And yeah, sure. It saves them a lot of time and restaurants do like it. I'm constantly getting approached by our clients saying, hey, can I just edit my own menu? But from our end, it alleviates a lot of mistakes. So I think that also leads to a lot of these issues. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Did you guys see the 10 Crutch article with uh, Grubhub yesterday? No, I didn't no. see that. Oh my God. So TechCrunch is, you guys would agree, TechCrunch is a pretty legit tech source. Like you don't wanna get bad press from TechCrunch, do you? No, no, that's a go-to in a tech yeah, yeah, big time you guys want me to should i just read the article on here i mean they got destroyed for what they're doing right now yeah sum it up i mean basically without reading it and just to sum it up what's happening is grubhub basically sent out this thing that they were like deferring fees which confused a lot of restaurants into thinking that they were completely waiving fees. And then on top of that, there's like all this fine line print where the restaurant needs to be committed to at least a year long contract. And then they're paying like around 30%. And TechCrunch just chewed them out. They were basically like, it's time for people to completely stop supporting Grubhub. They are exploiting restaurants during this time where restaurants need people more than ever. and. It was a nasty article that was basically saying 
Grubhub is robbing restaurants right now and not actually helping them keep their doors open. Darren sent it to me, and I was reading it, and I was like, damn, that's, uh, you don't want that. Yeah, I feel like all their tactics, I'm, I'm constantly hearing about everything they're doing with, from the phone calls to that. Everything is just deceiving, and there's nothing worse than deceiving your own clients. I mean, well, transparency I, is the best. Here. I think we have an opening okay. in New York because people are very transparent and willing keep talking. You know, Corey, I know we've had a lot of talks now that I'm here and helping with the In My Scrubs campaign with a lot of these local restaurants. I'm seeing a common theme where they're sick and tired. They know now with the future of dine-in, not, it's going to take a while, as we all know, for dine-in to become what it ever was. Like we're talking, you know, even to get back to normal, it's not going to be like that in restaurants. They're going to do 50% capacity. They're going to keep things kind of slowly trickled and I'm talking to restaurants, I'm sure you have too, Corey, that have said flat out, hey, if you can help me figure out how to do my own delivery and actually make money doing it, I think that's the problem that we've gotten to in this space is restaurants know delivery is a huge part of it, but they don't feel comfortable one-offing it and having to dish it off, but they're forced to. So they have no other option except to screw themselves because every other restaurant around them is doing the same thing. And they're worried they won't get business if they're not on the platforms. Yeah, and I totally get that. And I think every restaurant, and I know you agree with me on this, should be on every platform because you just want to get maximum exposure. But in saying that, delivery is never going anywhere. De- delivery is always going to be here. It's always going to be around. And knowing that, and, and if I'm a restaurant owner, I'm jumping into delivery on my own and pushing my own delivery because there's no reason to pay all these crazy commissions. Um, You can really avoid those by just doing your own delivery. And and like I said previously, it's not going anywhere. So why not? Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if we could actually win over some loyalty and even a place like this, because I don't think it's sustainable to have a centralized delivery portal for ma and pa restaurants. I get that for chains, just like we've talked about for these food kitchens, Corey, where it makes sense for a Chick-fil-A to work with a cloud kitchen that has tons of locations. But when you're talking about a restaurant that is a ma and pa, that is a local restaurant, which a lot exist in New York too, they can't justify being crowdsourced with other restaurants. It just doesn't work. And I, I think that's something we really have to hit home here and take advantage of these times. Agreed. I mean, I, I think more than anything, and we saw this in Denver, obviously building up our own platform is that, you know, it was, it was far apart. Um, you know, you can order from downtown Denver and get food delivered in Cherry Creek. It's like a 15 minute drive and handling those deliveries. I get why you need like a third party and you might not want to deal with it. Um, but obviously seeing, you know, cities like New York where everything's just a bike ride away and there's a lot of places that are similar. Um, it's just, it makes no sense to use a third party. I don't get it in terms of like big cities. If we could actually figure out how to help really roll up the staffing part of this with logistics, because I think it's twofold for us. It's figuring out not only how to provide them the logistics to do their own delivery, but also the tools to have the whereabouts of, oh, I'm not feeling overwhelmed bringing in my own staff for deliveries. And especially, I was telling Dan earlier, uh, I was talking to Evan Rosenberg a bit, who runs a, a couple big restaurants in New York. He was saying, coming out of this, it's going to be in restaurants' best interest to employ people and not fire people for government grants. So you're going to have a lot of pivoting going on with existing employees 
having to turn into drivers or couriers for that matter, because they'll they'll need them to be doing something to be able to get loans and that won't even need to be paid back. So we're, we really have to be thinking along those terms because it's going to be in restaurants best interest to be able to employ their own delivery drivers again, which we haven't yeah. seen. In- I mean, yeah. And look at every pizza restaurant. Their model's perfect. If you're not driving, you're folding boxes, you're, you know, doing things, you might as well have them as an employee and then obviously deliver when food needs to be delivered. For sure. Yeah. What so, we yeah, should really do is we should really start an insurance company and charge a fair amount, which doesn't exist in this world right now, for delivery. It's like you're well, paying an well, amount that isn't actually affordable. That was the reason that type two like really got so big. Restaurants can't afford the insurance. And you ask yourself, like, how much money are those fucking companies making? Because we're paying shit 80 grand a year in insurance it's insane it's like it's literally insane when i think about it it's like man if if we got paid 20 grand a year in insurance to insure somebody in case something happens which never does it's just like it's absurd you guys want to hear something crazy my fucking car got towed yesterday from the apartment complex i live at i was telling mike this earlier and i had to like so yesterday i go out i'm all pumped to go play golf i have like a tea time and all this shit get my golf attire on, get my bag, walk down the stairs, all like pumped up. And then my car is just gone. And I'm like, oh man, you gotta be kidding me. And I knew as soon as I saw my car was gone, like it didn't get stolen. I knew it was because I didn't have a permit and it was almost like a waiting game. But the reason I don't have a permit is because I just moved in here and the front office is closed. So I can't even get a permit. So these motherfuckers towed me and I call them and I'm like, yo, how am I supposed to come pick up my car? And obviously, Danny could have taken me to get my car, but they didn't know that. And I was like, we're we're in this pandemic. Like, what, what do you want me to do? Like, get in an Uber and risk my life coming to pick up my car? I was, like, flipping out of these people. And they're like, listen, this is our address. Like, that's it. You have to come pick up your car. And their address is, like, 30-minute drive. So I had to go shield up and like put a mask on and go in there with my hand sanitizer and deal with these tow people to get my car. It was a uh, it was a stressful situation. I had to pay 190 fucking bucks to get my car out of this tow junkyard where it shouldn't have been towed to begin with because it was parked in my own apartment complex. That's what I dealt with before. That's why this podcast got started a little late. That's what I was dealing with. Dude, you know what? I I had that exact situation to happen to me in Denver. I'll, I'll never forget it. I had a 9 a.m. meeting at Salvaggio's Deli in downtown Denver. And I went to, I was, got ready, went to go to my car in the, our parking lot, and my car's towed. And it was because Ballpark Lofts was paving the, the, the apartment, the, the parking complex. And instead of just knocking on my door, because they know what spot is with what apartment, and telling us that, hey, your car's going to be towed if you don't move it, they just towed my car. I had to miss the meeting go to a junkyard the same thing pay 190 dollars. there's nothing worse like just have the decency to call it and before you actually literally someone's ha- car have that damn decency and then to take it one step further the reason i just stepped away was the tow place called me and because when i left the tow place i was like listen 
I don't want this to happen again. And you guys are like the contractor towing company for the apartment I live in. I can't get a permit right now because the apartment's closed. So like, could you guys make sure you're not going to tow me? And she's like, yeah, like, we're not going to tow you. Don't worry. Like now that we have this conversation, I'll make sure the tow driver doesn't tow you because they're the only company that tows from this apartment because that's how the towing industry yeah. works, I guess. And she just calls me and she's like, hey, I just spoke to your apartment and they emailed you a permit. So you just got to print it out and put it in your car. And I was like, well, I don't have a printer. And she's like, well, you got to go somewhere and print it. And I'm like, yo, like I'm supposed to stay at home. Yeah. Like, what are we talking about right now? And then she's like, well, could you come back and I'll print it for you? And I'm like, man, like, fuck. And I'm like, I guess. So now I got to go back to the towing place to pick up like a piece of paper. It's unbelievable. I can't believe I'm dealing with this right now. I'm like, I'm I'm rattled. Yeah, no, especially during these times. That's ridiculous. But, dude, Danny got a N90 mic. Sorry, it is an N95 mask mic. That's confirmed. From she. So, today, this was actually crazy. And I'm, it sucks that she went here because now I'm like just kind of getting a little paranoid. But Danny is a reporter, so she's been going around doing her stories. And today, she did a story on the place that people are going to give blood after they, you know, recover yeah. and test positive. The, like one of those places where they're figuring out like the cellulites. I don't really know the science of it, but they're trying to figure out what's going on with all this. And Danny went to one of those places today because that's what her story was on. And the guy gave her an N95 mask. And now that's we awesome. have one N95 mask. I wore it to the tow place, to the grocery store. And like it's a N95 Are you mask. Sure it's an N95 mask? Dude, 100%. I looked at the packaging and looked it up awesome. online. It's an N95 mask. Yeah. It was crazy because when I was wearing it, it was like, first off, when I took it off, I had to do like, like I felt like, you know what I mean? When you like got to clear your throat. I felt that for like 30 minutes and I was like, what's going on here? Why is my throat dry the one time I finally wore a mask? And then it like stopped being dry. But it was weird because I was like wearing that and I felt like you could like hear yourself breathe. Like you're like in your own world when you're wearing an N95 mask, where you're hearing your breath circulate inside your mask. And I had sunglasses on, like, just when I was walking outside with it, and they would, like, puff up with my air. And I'd be like, like, fog up from you breathing. It was was crazy. It was kind of crazy, to be honest. But I felt like a, you know, like this person that was out there just, you know, I I felt, like, crazy wearing them. Yeah. Anyone who has that mask, you're like, who is that guy? (laughs) like how did that person get that a mask and it doesn't necessarily like look much different than the other one so i wasn't like oh man people are gonna look at me and be like why does he have an n95 mask but it was more like you just people are like damn like that's a dude taking this serious he's got a mask and there's a lot of people that have masks but then there's a lot of people that don't and it's just it's crazy everything's crazy what's crazy is the fact that up until like a few days ago or I guess it was like Sunday because we ordered a bunch of bandanas for our drivers to rock as masks. Cause you can't get your hands on real masks, but they're telling people, Oh, you don't need a mask. You don't need a mask. You don't need a mask. And then you need a mask. Everyone needs a mask. And it's ridiculous. Cause it's like, there's nowhere to get a mask. And they're like, Oh, you can make one out of cotton. How crazy is it that we're in the United States, a first world country and all, like the, mo- the richest, the land of opportunity, the people that everyone wants, the, the country everyone wants to move to or somehow get to. And when something like this is going on, 
we can't get our hands on a product that normally costs 50 cents because we don't make shit here. We need to go to these third world countries to even make the things we need for survival. It's, it, it really hits home when you just when this happens and it's like, oh, man, you can't go to the grocery store and buy a piece of fabric that's made into a mask. You have to make one yourself out of like a bandana or a t-shirt or something. Now there's people like making designs and selling them on the internet. And that, it, it's just wild to me. Very wild. It really me. is. I was gonna say last week, uh, like I felt like people would look at you when you were wearing a mask, like, oh, like you must be sick or, you know, and now people are looking at you crazy if you don't wear a mask. Like literally in the matter of a week that happens. Dude, I have, right. I've tried the whole mask thing. I, I stopped it this afternoon when I was outside. These things won't even stay on my damn face. And I'm at this point, I've stayed so far away from everyone when I'm outside that I, I've taken all the precautions I could. I, I don't think I've sneezed outdoors in months at this point. So I don't know what, like, I've done what I could with the mask. I hate it. And I'm trying to stay inside as much as possible. But I went on a run this morning. I tried having the mask on. I ditched it, honestly. Yeah, I, I did not. It. it doesn't work. And I'm tired of this shit. If that was going to be a thing, it should have been done weeks ago. To tell people in New York and around the country, oh, wear a mask now. It's like, are you kidding me? That should have been done when everyone started going into lockdown mode, not a month later. I, I don't 100%. even get that. If this is what people think it is, it's not. That's almost hypocrit hypocritical, to, and it contradicts what the virus is even doing when you think about it. So yeah. I don't, all that's been happening is constant contradiction with what they're telling people. It's gotten yeah, ridiculous, and I totally agree. I, Mike, I totally agree with you. My take on the whole mask thing is they realize that people aren't taking the social distancing serious enough. So behind closed doors, they're like, okay, well, do we do a national lockdown where we actually enforce this? Or do we just tell people they have to wear masks outside to make them feel even more fearful or make them feel stupid leaving their house in a mask? Either way, if you hear you have to now wear a mask, you're like, oh man, this must be really bad if I have to now wear a mask. I just think it's a ploy to try and get people to actually follow what the government's trying to tell you, which is stay the fuck at home because people aren't really doing it i think that's why they're doing the mask thing just to try and get people to take it more serious yeah i think the government just has no clue what the fuck they're ever doing and it just shows what a broken system it is when you have people just trying to be right or wrong in this situation and that's all i'm seeing and i don't the whole like trump thing with the doctor and people telling him one thing governors contradicting themselves every press conference like Cuomo, for example, all he was talking about up until today was how short New York was with ventilators. Today he comes out and says, oh, we have enough ventilators. You know, it's just, I don't understand. It seems like most of these people are just such attention whores that they need to have the floor to just make a statement. And this is turning into just a pissing contest of people throwing press conferences to get FaceTime. I've seen it with de Blasio. I've seen it with Cuomo. I'm sick of seeing these mugs on TV, to be honest. Let no, the Mike, you're so right. It's ridiculous. I'm it's so, like we have a I'm president. So, yeah. He's the one who should be running press conferences. I don't want to be seeing mayors, governors, city officials giving their two cents, executive assistants. It's ridiculous. So I'm just getting tired of that whole thing. I mean, I'm getting tired of the press conferences in general, even from the president, because I will say that what's going on behind the scenes, and this is where, first off, there's a whole Cuomo versus Trump behind the scenes battle where everything they say 
is a chess game. But what is going on behind the scenes, and my buddy in Boulder who, you know, brings in, he's shipping in masks from China, it was kind of telling me about it yesterday. And there's a lot of news sources talking about it too. But the government is on one end telling the states that they're responsible for figuring out how to get their own equipment, but then the government's holding up the equipment at customs and taking it to Washington and basically stealing it from the states to decide what to do with it. So I get why these states are trying to get their two cents in because like yesterday, the governor in Colorado, he's asking for $500 billion in the next stimulus just for Colorado. And he literally said he was like, and you could tell he was trying to be as politically correct as possible and not throw anybody under the bus. But he was saying, he was like, it's so challenging to be told that you have to bid for your own equipment and then you get the equipment only for it to be taken at customs because the government thinks certain states are overreacting and they want to have the equipment and disperse it how they feel is needed. It's a, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. There's obviously a lot of politics involved. I don't think Trump has necessarily bad intentions. I think there actually are some governors that are I don't want to say overreacting because I don't want to sound like an irresponsible person, but preparing for the absolute worst scenario. I think that's what the responsible thing is to do. If you're a governor and you're looking at your own state and you're looking at what the numbers are suggesting, you want to get equipment as if it's going to be the worst possible thing so you don't look like you're unprepared. And then you have the president and his team that are kind of sitting back watching what all the states are doing and almost like robbing them in a way that they think is responsible. But it's kind of fucked up because they should be the ones, if they feel that way, in charge of all the purchasing of the equipment. Where, like, if they want X amount of things for each state, go out and get it. Deal with China yourself. Don't leave it up to the states and then take it from the states. I mean, that's just turning into a mess from what I'm hearing behind the scenes. Yeah, and if the if United States prepared for the worst from day one, we wouldn't be in this situation or nearly the amount of people wouldn't have died. Well, so, yeah, I mean, that is, that is the best thing to do. Shit. Everyone, it's always the whole wait till there's no preventative measures in this country. It's all wait till something happens and then we'll deal with it. And I, I don't right. see anything changing after this either. Shit, people have no. short term memories. They they talk the talk, walk the walk in the moment. But we'll see. The dust will settle. You'll see people going back to their old ways. And, you know, I, I think that's my next point here, guys, to bring up is before we dive into this book. I wanted to get your thoughts on, do you see there being any change to, like, what makes America great up until this point has been our version since we've been born of a free marketplace, democracy, freedom of thought, being able to really just run rampant in terms of views, you know, say what you want without getting thrown in jail. If we lived in a North Korea or a Russia thing, it just doesn't go down like that, or Iran, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on, do you see this coronavirus triggering any type of socialistic tendencies to be implemented revolving around surveillance and tracking and things that might be needed to an extent, but it's a very gray and dicey area. I think if you look back at like 9-11, there were changes like um, obviously the airport, the mail, there were a ton of things that lasted forever that, you know, you may not, obviously we all remember travel change, 
but now, I mean, I think social tendencies are, are going to change. Um, like, are, honestly, are people going to have as much sex as they were having in the past? Like, are they going to be sensitive to touch? I think random things are going to be different, and it's going to carry on for an extended time. Um, so, I mean, wait, my point of view, there's going to be less sex taking place from this, personally? Fuck no. Yeah, I, I mean, not for me, but <laughs> I do. I, I think for, like, Gen Z, that's already been happening. And I think it's going to continue to happen for younger people. I think they're going to be more sensitive to touch. They're going to be, like, you know, the more careful. I don't think you're going to be... I, like, people are still going to hook up at clubs, but I think it's going to be more sporadically. I think people are going to actually think about it before they do it, where they were just doing it before. Corey, you're freaking Mike out right now. No, <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's true. No, I'm not freaked out. I find that to be interesting that Corey is personally thinking that because I, you know, I've gone back and forth on it. It's like when you look at Japan, what an asexual culture they have with these like sex shops and sex robots being coming popular. It's because of that notion of, you know, a lot of people just keep to themselves. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that. I, I think that when it comes to human contact, I was actually thinking the opposite. I think this is going to lead to a, a boom in babies. If anything, you've had all these people locked down in quarantine fucking. That's, and That's only a select portion of people. There's so many people quarantined with no one where they're not fucking. Well, it's like I'm saying those people already like, for example, myself, I'm single. I'm not in a relationship, but to say like, I'm obviously I'm biased. I'm not like everyone else, but I'm I'm pumped to run rampant after this. Are you shitting me? Like I, I feel like it's canon. I, I don't yeah. think I mean, anybody. I, told, I totally get it. I, I don't think anybody is, in my opinion, at least they shouldn't be making any real important life decisions during this time period, and that involves having a kid. Because I think everybody knows that right now they are under an insane amount of stress that's warranted with everything happening. And I, I think people, at least, I don't know, I could be wrong because the masses kind of are interesting with the way they view things. But I think people can kind of acknowledge that right now we're in uncharted times and the way people are thinking is a little different than normal because of everything going on. And there's like a level of healthiness to that. And it's like almost like, hey, it's okay to be a little anxious right now or be a little stressed right now because of what's going on. And I think that weighs on big life decisions where like, are you really gonna make a major life decision that you've been contemplating under these types of conditions? I think that's where a lot of people accidentally have children. They're just having sex out of being in the same place. And, you know, uh, I just, we already know firsthand people that have had kids without wanting them. I, I don't you think, think a, you, no, you think I, couples I, are now having sex more than normal. I mean, couples have sex all the time. If anything, maybe they're having less sex because they're kind of like pissing each other off. I don't think what a single will come out of this and a lot of babies come out of this. That, that's the reality. <laughs> Like, I think it goes both ways completely. I think it increases the, I mean, Danny claimed that like the divorces, the divorce inquiries were going through the roof right now. And I, I was like, nah, there's no way. People oh, are just not. Spot on. 
man. No, Dude, no, no, no. But is... that's why that, that's yeah. my thing. When you look at the, the there's gonna be certain trends that really increase and certain trends that decrease. And you can make the argument that one of the trends that will most likely increase is the percentage of couples that get divorced, which right now is around fifty percent. Maybe it goes up to sixty. Maybe it goes to fifty-five. I mean, I, I think with that, I think to go going back to your original question. When you think about 9-11, the whole Privacy Act thing was the major thing that changed, but it didn't actually really impact anybody. Like People love to bitch about it. I don't even know what it is. I don't know how anything about my life changed with 9-11, like what, maybe the government now has access to phone records when they didn't? I don't know, but it was nothing. The airport, like that was the biggest change any of us personally. That was was the biggest change we felt. Just the the security. yeah. yeah, but the biggest change with like the law was that whole Privacy Act thing where now they were able to tap into more of what you do. And then the argument was always like, oh, well, if you don't do anything bad, who really cares? And that was that's how I still look at it. Like, I don't care if the government has access to everything I do for whatever reason that doesn't bother me. I think what will happen from this is now some sort of tracing thing where, you know, in addition to the government being able to know your phone records, there's probably going to be a way for people to be traced where, you know, they'll relate it to the disease. Because I think that in order for them to kind of start to get rid of these social distancing things and stay at home orders, which they're going to have to do at some point, that's what's going to happen. It's not going to just go back to normal. It's going to go back to normal at first in a new way where, you know, restaurants might open where they're only allowed to see 10 people at a time. And maybe people have to get their temperature checked when they walk in. And to take it one step further, maybe people are going to start being tracked. So if you do end up having a temperature, they're going to see the other people you interacted to like get all over it, kind of like what happened in South Korea. Those are the things I could see happening. I don't think human behavior will change from this unless this carries on for so long that people start to forget what it was like before this. And that's where I wonder how long it will carry on. Like I saw someone post on Facebook today. They basically were like, all right, $11 trillion has been lost in wealth, like in the stock market. And then they put, or just $11 trillion has been wiped out. And then they basically compared that to what each person who died, they were basically like, so every person that's died has cost our economy $2.8 billion. Every person with the coronavirus, every death, has cost $2.8 billion. And they were basically like trying to do the math and project the math. And they were kind of saying like, if we do things the way we're doing things now, every death is going to be worth millions of dollars in the economy losses. And that, and it was just interesting. And they weren't saying like, oh, we need to reopen or we shouldn't. They're just throwing it out there. And I think that's been a lot of what people are talking about now is when do you reopen things? How long could you really let this happen before it just becomes such a different world that we live in? Like it's a, you're, you're kind of at that point now. Things need to reopen in the next two weeks and that's not gonna happen. So then you ask yourself like, okay, well, what are the real effects of that? And the real effects are really, I think way more damaging than people are thinking, way more damaging than the market's giving it credit for. I saw Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan, like sent out a share a shareholder letter today saying that he's predicting a recession as bad as 2008 from all of this. He's saying there's no way it doesn't happen. If you just look at the numbers, it's all right in front of your face. The unemployment rate, the banks 
getting the money, not really knowing how to disperse it. So, like, you know, Thursday was the first day that they opened up the SBA loan thing where I think it was like $500 billion set aside for small businesses to be able to apply for loans. No one's gotten a dollar yet. There's been billions of dollars of application, but no one's gotten a dollar because no one has a process in place. And at the end of the day, every day that goes by, it's just you can't have one single day go by. We're fortunate. Our business is still running. But so many people like live paycheck to paycheck and so many parts of the country are already such shitholes, not to use that word, but like when you think about some of these inner city places and like, for example, where I am in the South or anywhere, really, those people are two weeks of not work away from being in such a insanely bad situation. And that's where we're at right now. And that's, well, yeah, that's like, why we need universal basic income. There's no, we've been band-aiding this shit. And I'm not at all a uh, Democrat by any means. I'd be the last person to bring this type of thing up with my views on capitalism. But we have to make a, a vast change to have any chance of progress as a world. When you think about it, these underemployed people that have been in service jobs, the, the real problem is it's, we've shelved technologies and have had people in jobs that shouldn't have been run by people. Now we're in a position where it's like, oh, well, fuck, what are we supposed to do here? Well, what we're supposed to do is have these people's needs met and figure out how to educate them on new work. I equate it back to the cash register days when automatic cash registers came out. It required way more people to run them, where at the time the fear was, oh, we're going to be out of all these jobs. Technologies create new opportunities. And I think the biggest thing really that has to happen, there needs to be an infrastructure bill, stimulus bill passed immediately. So we can actually have massive projects that are breaking ground that we have enough people to throw into. Where it's like, listen, we're gonna have a program here, someone that might never have even been in that world or that skill set that was doing uh, you know, something like driving people around, which is another thing that I think we're gonna start seeing with how much money is in that space, there is zero doubt that's going to come to fruition, the self-driving, way sooner now. Because we need to be shifting focus on what a, lot, what a lot of these people are actually up to if we plan on fixing any of this shit. Or this yeah. is just going to be, eventually this well is going to run dry in the world's over, is the reality, if this doesn't get fixed. Because the, the, what happens then is democracy ends, you have an uprising, from the lower class in America, which we've seen in other countries. And it doesn't take much more of this shit for that to be happening. And then the world as we personally have seen it is over. And that's the scariest thing to me is what what timeline does that happen? And if we don't figure out a way to take care of all these people that you're talking about living check to check, where they're not even stressing about that and they're more focused on, oh, I could start a new career here with the, the country. This is phenomenal. That's what we have to be thinking about. And I don't have an answer economically right now of how exactly that works. But I'm so tired of hearing about, oh, everyone's waiting on checks in the mail. I don't get how that's sustainable. Like, what? then what? Another check in the mail and they're yeah. showing well, what, what does it... The, like for the person who's getting twelve hundred dollars, what is that going to do with them? They haven't probably had a paycheck in a couple of weeks. I mean, they're already in debt. That twelve hundred dollars does absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, they increased the unemployment a little bit to like six hundred a week. But no, I mean, what you guys are both dead on. And at the end of the day, 
they will come out with another stimulus package, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. At the end of the day, they're, capitalism, they're going to print money as much as they need to to prevent the lower class from rising up and having some sort of revolution. And that's the whole idea of capitalism. And that's also, though, the danger of the universal income because you don't, you can't get to a point where money is no longer a huge necessity because then people start to question its value. And that's where, like right now, our, our country, you know, being in trillions of dollars of debt, you could almost make the argument that that will never actually be a problem as long as people really are in a situation where they're kind of always money hungry. They're always focused on the next dollar because then they can never sit back and think like, wait, what does it mean that we're in, tri in trillions of dollars of debt? Like, how is it possible that the government's able to just print money? Maybe the dollar isn't actually worth anything when that happens. That's like the, uh, the economic doomsday people that say like at some point the dollar is going to be coming crashing down and a dollar is going to be worth 30 cents and you're going to have 10 grand in the bank, but really it's only going to be worth three grand. The only way that really happens is if the public, there's such a common belief that the dollar is not worth anything. And that's where you kind of universal income, like you, it has to be so low to the point where if you fulfill basic needs and you let humans not feel the need to chase their basic needs and they're able to sit back and just think about it all, that's when you risk the dollar just exploding and no longer becoming the dominant currency anymore because all the dollar is is a belief that the dollar is worth a lot. And yeah, if the belief it, again, when you say oh, the dominant currency anymore, why is that necessarily a bad thing? Like when you look at the world, is that what well, we, it's no, it's, it's only look, it's only a bad thing for the people that have built wealth. Like it'd no, be a bad thing if you saw you were just breaking down the notion of somebody being able to sit back and think in general. And I think that's what I wanted to bring up to you guys, not having to think about surviving. Being most of the world, when you think about these lower income people, their thoughts are on broke people thoughts. How am I putting food on the table? They're not able to think about anything to help yeah, society. That, that, and I hate to say it, but that is what makes capitalism work. Because if you take that away, people start to really think about, wait, how is this actually really possible? How is the dollar worth anything? Giving human beings way too much credit about thinking about things at all. I don't think most people have the bandwidth to even go down that rabbit hole out of not giving a fuck, to be honest with you. I, I really don't see that as a thing people would be. If you gave some guy that has been just trying to put food on the table and work like three jobs that mostly should be shelved for automation, and all of a sudden he's able to pay rent and eat for his family, and you're like, hey, we're going to turn this guy into a... So, something involving helping build out new bridges, someone that had no skill set. And I don't know how that looks, don't get me wrong, but I disagree that the notion of having someone have idle time on their hands to think is a bad thing. I think we need to be having more of that where people are contributing and they're not just thinking about, like we all, we've all been there back in the day where you're not at, not at the level of being poor or impoverished by any means. I'm more talking about the broke person thought on the day-to-day -day where your thoughts are just consumed about paying rent. And, oh, man, like, this sucks. Can't wait for that check Friday. That's what I'm getting at here with just the bigger picture thought. If you can have that collective movement with that with enough people, 
who knows where we can go? It's just we have a lot of dead weight right now off of non-thinking because they can't. I don't blame them. How do you think when all you're thinking about is I'm starving? Where am I sleeping? That That's just yeah. a way to live. Really? It's funny because this really does tie into the book. But like at the end of the day, I think there's a belief among the people behind the scenes that created capitalism and run the world and want to keep it the way it is, at least our country, that what you're suggesting is actually the worst thing ever for keeping things the same. And I'm not saying keeping things the same is the answer. Obviously, if you're doing well in life, it's easy to say that. And then there's a lot of people that would hear that and be like, dude, fuck that. The same does nothing for me. So I get that. And I'm not saying that I think one way or another. I I, I don't. This is, you know, it's not like this same thing. Like we're now, when you look at 08, that was not a health crisis. It was financial. Now we're in a much different type of financial crisis. But at some point, this cycle ends. And when you look at empires throughout history, they last until they don't. So (laughs) this is not a, a thing that's ever lasting at all. Everything goes up and goes down. That includes civilizations and world dominant powers. You look at the Ottoman Empire, they're literally the biggest, best, greatest emperors and empires in the world get conquered. So you have to more ask yourself, is what we've been doing an actual long-term strategy for the world that can actually keep going? Is that even possible? Well, it, it, and it, it really like it boils down to the human perception on what a dollar really is. Because at the end of the day, if our country decides that they want to print for a ten trillion dollars and create new roads, create new buildings, create energy sufficient jobs, to just employ millions and millions of people, as long as the public perception from all over the world is the United States is still like killing it then the U.S. dollar still kills it. And that's where you're right. Like a stimulus package is way better than universal income. You're better off dumping trillions of dollars into creating new jobs than paying people to not have to work. Because if you pay people to not have to work, the the dollar becomes a big question. It's like, what what is this? I bring up universal basic income. I think there's a misconception with that. I'm more bringing up the notion of being able to put people to work in these new projects. Where, that's not universal income. That's a stimulus package. Well, universal no, income is being no. paid I to not work. Universal basic income, the way I envision it, and it's, it is what it is right now off of different countries are not the U.S. So what we've seen other countries do doesn't mean America will do the same thing. The way I envision it working is figuring out a way for people to be contributing as humans, where it's like, oh, this guy's a good citizen. This girl's a good citizen. They're playing their part their needs are met. And I, I get that. That's not a democracy the way we know it right now. And I, I'm the last person to want people getting handouts. But no matter whether we have universal basic income or we don't, there's always going to be the 10% of society that sits on a couch watching Netflix and not doing shit. And that's fine. I'm not, there's always going to be that. We just have to figure out a different strategy, I think, heading forward with where technology is just to better the world. Because we have way more things that could be going on that have just been put on hold off of this problem. Where it's like, well, oh, that's, what's, that's what scares me about our current president. Because like one of his uh, briefings like a week ago, he literally made the comment. And I wish I like was able to quote exactly what he said. But he essentially called green energy related jobs 
like just messing around feel good type of jobs. He was like, I want a new stimulus package, $2 trillion for rebuilding tunnels, roads, airports, not the green energy stuff because like that's just feel good stuff. That's literally what he said. Yeah, At the end of the day, no, no, he doesn't realize. Yeah, no, I'm just saying to, to do what you're saying though, it's easy. Dump a couple trillion dollars in the economy and let that industry run wild because that industry wants to run wild and they'll employ millions of people. But if I you think give- we'll see the same happen. I think those can go hand in hand. I think when Trump says those things, he doesn't, you know, it's Trump. He doesn't actually go into the details, but those projects could be done where you kill two birds with one stone. Right. When you think about it, the energy around these things, even when you look at rooftops now, Corey, the Barclays Center how there's grass on the top. Just my buddy was explaining that to me yesterday with the environmental conservation with the soil. Those are things we never would have even thought about. Rooftop gardens back a couple decades ago. I think there's a way to get everyone to win there. When you look at like the, the bipartisan possibilities, Nancy Pelosi, her and Trump hate each other, but she really wants a stimulus bill here for the infrastructure. As they, got, does, they have no choice. They know they need to. That's where there could be a middle ground here where if it's done in the right fashion with the environment front and center and Trump is still feeling like this, he's going to win with that. It's a win-win for everybody. I think that's really because these projects clearly have to be built with the environment in mind. So I think what, there's a way to get everyone's way with that. What's crazy about it is they should – and. Obviously, who knows what's going on behind closed doors, but if they were working on the next stimulus package, they'd be talking about it to just pump up the market, get everyone pumped. The fact of the matter is they should have already had the second stimulus package done before the first one even came out. And at the end of the day, they haven't even started talking about it. And here's what's going to happen. They're going to start talking about it probably in two weeks. And then you're going to have the Republicans not want anything to do with green related energy. The Democrats to be only wanting that. It's going to take about a month for the stimulus package to get done. I'm predicting that the stimulus package, our next one comes out end of May. And it's going to be great when it happens, but there's there's going to be two months where it needs to happen. Yeah, it's too much buildup in between checks that people actually need. Definitely. They needed basically $12 trillion ready to go in phases, like already planned out before they ever even closed a single business to like really, and and I don't, keep in mind who's ever listening to this, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. So this is just me like saying what's on my mind. I don't know how this shit works, but to me, that's like the amount of money it's going to take to really actually make a dent at all. Even if um, before this all came out with the actual numbers for the stimulus package, I think Kramer on um, Mad Money said that, you know, he was predicting you need at minimum four trillion, five trillion dollars for anything to help at all. And then it came out, obviously, as two trillion. And that's just not nearly enough. Dude, you're going to see so many small businesses not actually get that loan that they think they're able to get. Because, I mean, we tried to get it. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. But there's no doubt. There's like no there's no process. And I get it. It's tough. It's like, how do we get two trillion dollars in the hands of the people? But it's not tough. Here's the thing. There's only a few payroll companies in the entire country. Why not go through them? How do you not just 
almost take over an ADP where you hit up companies and you're like, hey, we're going to just take over your payroll for the next two months instead of trying to do this one-off SBA bullshit. It's like hit up ADP, hit up whatever other payroll companies there are. There's probably only three and be like, we're going to do this through you. You guys already do the payrolls. We're going to pump it right through you. And then boom, it's done overnight directly into the accounts of yeah. every working American. How like, I don't get why they didn't do it. And the reason that they didn't do it is they don't want that. They want 20% They want it to take time. Dude, yeah. this is going to be the biggest separation of wealth gap we've ever seen. That's what's about to be steamrolled from this where it was like starting to get out of control and now it's going to be so 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 next level. And Mike, if you're right with universal income if that does happen, that's even going to make it like think about anyone that's got x if you have money right now, you're going to be on one side. If you don't, it's going to be tough to like accumulate. And I think the separation is going to get huge. Well, that, that we can have much more separation or we're going to have a straight up problem. Like I'm, I'm telling you, that's not something that can happen much longer. I, I think that's when we have a serious uprising with the poor people. Like that. Well, not not if they're thing. not if they're on not if they're on universal income. Universal basic income in America, if and when that's even a possibility, is no time soon. Let's be real. The way things operate in the U.S., that's going to be a last resort type of thinking that would only be instilled after everything else is exhausted because that brings me to the next point guys of George Orwell's 1984 the whole notion of socialism when you think about that book it really was broken down it was written off of the notion which I think you guys will find interesting Orwell wrote this thinking that Britain would not remain a democracy the way he knew it during World War II so he thought when that book was being written fuck Germany is going to take over here. Democracy is dead. This is what the future will hold. And as you guys know, Big Brother is the whole theme around the, the whole novel of someone's watching, whether or not it was there or not. It reminds you of North Korea. Or Dan, I know you were with Danny for a bit in China with the censoring media thing, where the, the idea of the pro protagonist in the book was kept trying to rewrite history off of calling out the state and trying to figure out shit. Is there a such thing as freedom of thought? And it was ironic because the book ended where, which I thought was really interesting, that he basically realized he loved Big Brother. But I, what I gathered from this whole book was that George Orwell liked the notion of being protected by the government, but also wanting individual freedom. So when you think about it, the way he was living his life in Britain was how he wanted things to continue. And Dan, you brought up a great point last week about how you, you've had a lot of like atheists you've seen on Facebook that have always been apathetic until now when certain liberties have been taken away and they're like, oh shit. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things I don't like about the government, but I love America. Like we need things to get back to normal. I think what uh, 1984 really honed in on was invading the notion of individual freedom the thought police, things that we've talked about, guys, being, having the notion of thinking something and get thrown in prison. Imagine, Corey, you have a passing thought that somebody comes and arrests you for due to, you have a moment of rage where you're like, oh, I want to kill this person. When you obviously yeah. don't yeah. it, but all of a sudden, you're getting a knock on the door in the middle of the night, you're in jail. Like just like the minority thought. report. Yeah, 
But no, that's yeah. not, when you think about science fiction and what he's pinpointing here, it's basically a democracy being dead. And that's my biggest fear from this whole thing is I always think like you'll read into any conspiracy theory. That's when you know people have too much time on their hands. I knew Woody Harrelson. He said for a while he stopped smoking weed. I saw something earlier. I'm like, this guy must be going hard in the paint again on the marijuana, going off of <laughs> 5G networks and all this coronavirus involved. Uh, it's all an agenda around 5G around the world for access. And I was Dude, just. I keep seeing people bring up the 5G but, shit. It's like, will you shut the fuck up already? It sounds so stupid. Here's the thing that what that gets at, though, what I'm getting at is the red herring in this whole thing. What we all have to be careful of as people and against the government is the notion of everyone's scared right now. And this is when the government instills certain agendas where everyone is just flooded into one train of thought like, oh, we're all in this together. We got to survive this. And that's when things subtly get introduced. So I think that's the biggest scary, the scariest thing to me from all this is the notion of there being subtle changes that they, the government uses the corona as a culprit where they'll scapegoat the corona for months, for years from this. Like, oh, well, you, you remember what happened with corona. We don't want that again. And I, I don't want to, I'm not at all slighting. I know this virus is serious. I know there's been thousands of people dead. We've seen firsthand in New York how bad this is. But I also do think this has gotten to the point where there is an agenda beyond just the virus with how much media cutthroat outcries there have been around this thing. When you look up, I get it. You want to keep people quarantined. You want to scare them. I understand that. Okay. I understand the keeping people healthy part, but there is a fine line there when it goes above and beyond that agenda. And we've gotten past that point where yeah, I, I think mean, he has gone too ham on this whole Corona thing where there's something else at play. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah. And I think that when you put other systems into place, like tracking people, I think that's going to affect people's personal health, their mental health, and people are going to be sick in different ways. So it's like one thing just leads to the other. It's a chicken or egg situation. You're going to have people going crazy, or you're going to have people getting viruses that eventually will be able to get cured once you have more information. And, you know, it's just one of those situations. It sucks. But Corey, is there, what I have a question for you guys, is there any, the optimist in me is wondering, are there some bright sides that can come from this with certain things being implemented to make people healthier with mental health even? When we talk about the mental health, people being in isolation now, is that going to bring front and center more ways for people to help combat that? Is there something that could be done with healthcare, with tracking, with wearables? Uh, that's why I'm a big Apple stockholder. I think they're the future of healthcare with monitoring people's well-being. Is there something we can actually gain as humans? Like m People might look back at this era being like, holy shit. How did those guys like Corey, Dan and Mike, how did they deal with mood swings like that off of just being like humans with how did this not exist back? And I'm not talking about like someone being prescribed on antidepressants. I'm talking about brain chemistry and the way things operate with neuroscience, just understanding things that are way beyond our acumen right now. And I think that's what I'm hoping comes of this is. We've seen a bunch of money dumped into spaces like our own with food delivery, but there needs to be a lot of money dumped in health, not only physical health, mental health, 
So I wonder, do you guys think there could be some positive to anything with tracking where there's a fine line between not invading your privacy, but ensuring you can, there could be precursor measures to avoid becoming diabetic or having heart disease? Because you see these coronavirus counts and it, it humors me how much that's talked about and how about heart disease and mental illness with people dying of suicides? If we had those counts so front and center, like Corona the last few months, I wonder what people would be thinking about maybe having a soda or, you know, just thinking more about somebody that might be having mental problems that they never were even thinking about before that. When I went to a comic relief here, but when I went to the towing place, the tow driver, like when I was in paying, the tow driver walked in like three minutes into me being there and was your cliche looking tow truck driver. And he like just crushes this bottle of Coke and then looks to his boss and was just like, man, it's so good going down. <laughs> wow. I could see that guy just smoking, smoking a pack of cigarettes. I feel like all tow truck people just rip sodas and smoke cigarettes. It's part it's of the huge. But well, Mike, I've always thought, to go back to what you were saying, that like even way before this, I was excited for the day, and I was thinking at the time, you'd probably like have the choice of opting in, maybe it'll be, if there's ever a day where there's healthcare for all, and it's like free healthcare for all, you would think it's going to go hand in hand with something that maybe a company like Apple ends up making, where it's essentially a device that either you wear or maybe it's like something that gets injected but and i know they're on their way to this but essentially something that lets you know what you need where like exactly what you just said where you'll get an alert and it's like hey you need at least 10 minutes of sunshine right now you know and i know right now they have it with like the walking around with like the fitbit stuff where it'll say like hey we recommend you like get up and walk around a little but yeah i see it being way further than that where it's like specific types of nutrition that your body needs on a regular basis that most people don't necessarily get where you know i don't know what they all are vitamin c vitamin d what you get what from whatever but like equivalent to like hey you need to go eat a carrot not actually like go eat a carrot but you'll be told this is what your body needs right now. And you'll have to follow those things in order to meet a certain insurance plan. And that's where, like, if you think about it, if they're ever going to have, like, free health care for all or, like, some sort of basic health care plan, I would like to see something where if you're going to be a part of that and you're going to be qualified for that, you aren't just a free-for-all able to go and, you know, cause harm to yourself and add up these medical bills. If you're going to get free health care – you have to monitor your health levels and wear something that's going to keep you from being a health hazard. And I know that's the opposite of what the world wants, but it's like, okay, if you want free health care, why should you then be able to just put whatever you want in your body? Like if, if I wanted, you want something from the government on the other end, you got to be willing to do something, which is monitor what your intake is. And if you're not willing to do that, which again, like I wouldn't want to do that. I'd be like, fuck that. I'll pay for my own insurance. I think that's the one invasion of privacy I would love is my body being tracked like a, a beast, like a James Harrison with workouts where it's like, Mike, you need your, you know, your iron deficient, you know, like I, I think that's a thing out of all things. I would love biohacking in our bodies to, uh, even when you think about like diseases, like the 23 and me thing, the notion of having 
enough people with a certain disease that they can pinpoint better cures for just off of data. I, I think it could help uh, extend life and just make day-to-day living way better and more pleasant for people. Like someone that's shitting their brains out like myself for years. Yeah. It's like, oh, for all I know, there's a little tweak that I could have done this whole time that it, it's not that I'm allergic to cheese. It's something completely different with nothing involving my eating. You know what I mean? I, like, I, I, that, I think that's something I'm, I'm personally on board with healthcare hacking. I know it's a yeah. very sensitive subject, but that's the other stuff. I, I no, thank you. I don't want to yeah. be tracked about where I am, but internally I'm all about it. And that's the where, like anyone healthy, I feel like, and Corey, I'm curious to hear your thought on this, but I feel I'm going to just speak for the three of us right now. And I think the three of us possibly all really agree on that. Where, like, how cool would it be to have something that alerts you when you need something that's going to keep you healthy? But think about how many people out there, and I know for, I know people off the top of my head that would be like, fuck that. I would never do that. And that's where it's like, they're yeah, gonna, and that's where we're going to see products involving where like, you won't be able to even use a product otherwise. That's where we're going to. If you want, and I go back to the healthcare thing, if people want basic healthcare for free, then they shouldn't be allowed to eat 80 grams of sugar. I don't know if that's a lot or not, but you get what I'm saying. Eight donuts a day. Like there's people that live really unhealthy lives and that becomes a hazard. So it's like, you're gonna use up more resources because you're not willing to take certain measures and take certain protocols to be healthy. And that isn't fair to everybody else who's trying to all have this collective thing. And like, you know, if we're gonna have free healthcare, it's gonna come from taxes. I have an issue if certain people are raking in like higher bills on healthcare because they don't care about their health because they know it's free. Like that's not fair. But and, and how about these food companies then? Why are we, should they be allowed to process like processed foods shit in the first place? Like that goes back to someone that has the freedom of choice. What if their options were healthier in the first place? Like that's a whole nother conversation, it, you know? Yeah. I think just like cigarettes, how they show you the package on the label of like your heart being attacked. Like, I think that should come on certain foods. Some, you know, foods with high sodium, high sugar. Like, it should show you what's going on in your body if you eat this. So you're, I people, so there's certain right. people that are simply not aware at all. Like, there's so many people I met over the years. We're obviously all kind of health focused and we understand things. And, you know, we had that luxury. There's people that have no idea. Yeah, no, Corey. no doubt. About it. I, I know Nick and I have talked about this, like even with his dad in the past where he's like, man, it's just a different level of education where I'm from with nutrition. Like we're, we grow up not understanding that fried food is actually really bad for you. He's like, that's just not yeah. a thing that healthy. Just people who eat fried chicken and think it's healthy because it's chicken, it's protein. In reality, it's obviously terrible for you. Yeah. So that that's what's interesting. I think there's like a, an almost – there's like a utopia version of surveillance in our bodies that could be really good in a way, but there's also the terrorizing thought police. When you think about tracking people's thoughts and using the excuse of there's some bad apples out there, folks, we wanna make sure no one's blowing up the world. That is not enough of a red herring to me to get everyone in the mode of, oh yeah, you know, we gotta really get this going now. So there, there won't be any random chances of a hijacking or a terrorist threat. Terrorism is unexpected and it's going to happen. But at the end of the day, I don't think it makes any sense to 
go down the road of people's brain movements being tracked. And that's what scares me. I just, I don't even know how that would be instilled though. That, that might be a bit too, you know. I don't see it. I hope not. I, I don't know. It seems extreme. I think what uh, yeah, China's doing is is pretty interesting. Did you guys see that with the red, yellow, green on their phones? No. Nah. They're, they're pretty much tracking people's phones where, um, you know, if you test a positive for corona, it lets you know if you're able to go freely to grocery stores, essential things, take uh, mass transit. Certain people have to stay at home, and then if you're green, you're good to go about, go to work, and, and get on with life. My guess is they well, kill people if they stay red for X amount of time. Like I just envision so, like literally just like killing people with that like shadily in the middle of the night, yeah, kind of like how Giuliani took the homeless people and threw them in jail, like back a couple decades ago in the city. I, I kind of think of that as China with these. Even when you look at the numbers, it's just like people vanish. They just fall off the charts because they just make them extinct. Yeah, I mean, what's you know? happening is they're just they're just tracking everything, and they obviously just have everyone's data. <laughs> People are freaking out, but health-wise, it's not a bad idea. It's like Big Brother, though. Like back to that, I always think of like yeah. North Korea, China, Iran. Like there's someone in this control center that's just able to see every little movement of every person, and they're just no doubt. putting. They're they're like an octopus with a million different arms, and they're just able to completely control everyone's day-to-day yeah China, not like we're, i was just gonna say not like we're being tra- like we're obviously being tracked everything we do is tracked the our phones the internet facebook social media it's all tracked the government can all see that shit if they want to i know there's yeah. obviously a lot of laws with those corporations but still i will say china is just completely full of shit and Obviously, that's something that's like an ongoing narrative. But firsthand, I'll tell you. So Danny, obviously, used to work for Disney in Shanghai for like a year and a half, I think. And she told me that she still has a bunch of friends that are still there. And they opened the park back up where they're like made all the employees come back. And some of them, you know, went back to the States and they made them all fly back. And all the employees have to come to work every day, but they have not actually opened the park to the public, which is what they they claim they did, though, to, like, our country thinks they did. That is false. They did not. All the staff is there making it look like it's running, and they aren't allowing anybody there. And it's just shady. And that's, like, where it's tough to really trust any of the numbers that they report, even about the coronavirus. Like, who really knows what the hell is going on over there? You hear that they stopped testing, so it's like... I don't know. But yeah, I think what you just said with the red light, green light, yellow light, those are the types of things they got to figure out here and now. They got to start letting people get back to some sort of regular life just to keep things going. Did you guys see, this was on my news thing because it just happened like right before we got on here. Did you guys see that Boris Johnson guy, the prime minister of Britain, just got moved into intensive care? Yeah, that's That's terrible. Yeah, he's had the coronavirus for, like, two weeks, and, you know, it sounded like he was doing better, but now he just got moved into intensive care, and apparently he's not doing well at all. Well, that'll be what gets, like, the world leaders next level serious about this, is one of them dying, unfortunately. Yeah. That's just people are, you know? You need, like, to see epic tragedies sometimes to do things. 
So I'll tell you the saddest piece of news that I have come across since this all started was the tiger in the Bronx Zoo getting the coronavirus. Yeah, that just, scares just the shit that. out of me. I hate the idea that like literally last night I was thinking I was like, damn, like I I don't care if I get this, but I would be so upset if Miles got it. And like my 11 and a half year old dog who maybe wouldn't survive it. I don't know. But just the thought that animals can get it now. And it goes back to that Michael Osterholm guy who was one of the original doctors that kind of predicted the trajectory of this thing. And one of the things he said was that it was going to impact or infect like a huge population of deer. And he was talking about like, a certain type of deer that they feed on in Canada and how if it gets in that deer, like the entire country of Canada is going to be fucked because that's like what they eat and what they survive on. And now it's getting in animals. I mean, I don't know. That's yeah. just that. That's freaky. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, uh, that, that was terrible. I also saw that a newborn baby, the first newborn baby died of coronavirus. And I guess basically the husband was asymptomatic he had it and they let him in the room obviously and he gave it to the baby and that, that's even more tragic just knowing yeah. that you just killed an infant by accident i hear about that man that's fucking brutal yeah the other thing so. is i mean no that's really the only thing i mean yeah u.s also just passed ten thousand deaths yeah but you know and that sucks that's awful and it's also though putting things in perspective it like how many people died of the seasonal flu this year? Well, what's what's crazy is, like, we know that the deaths are going to be about 15 times what they are right now. Because that's just, like, they're being upfront about it. So it's like 10,000 deaths is shaking people. And they're like, yeah, we are going to have 150 to 200,000 deaths. I personally think that's a ploy to make the market go up more when we don't have as many deaths. That's my prediction there. I think that was all premeditated to one scare people and to stay in quarantine more and two when great news comes out that oh look at this we're gonna have way less debts than we thought that could be true i hope you're right yeah me too like i am I, I something tells me that that's what's going on that that would be that would be great the other like it's also like that you guys see that freaking tiger kingdom show tiger uh, king yeah I, I was waiting for some kind of, like, real murder story to take place, like, on another level here after people raved to me about it. I'm done, honestly, guys. I was telling this to Dan earlier, Corey. The next time, like, I hear from at least 10 people how much I how much I need to see something. Hold on. Well, while it, Mike fixes oh that, God. what I was going to say is, is this, like, some sort of message from the powers above that we're just a bunch of idiots for loving this Tiger Kingdom movie that now know. they're our show and now they're like, all right, you idiots, we're gonna <laughs> get a tiger in the Bronx Zoo to be positive and then you'll all like love your little tiger show. I, I couldn't help but think about the two and I was like, damn, Me too. like it was a tiger, like why couldn't it be like a monkey? Like I it had to I be a tiger. At us, being like humans are so stupid. Like look at what everyone's doing with their time, Netflix and chilling, watching a tiger documentary and raving about how great it is. I was waiting, even at the last episode, I'm like, okay, is there another series part of this? Like another few episodes where this is going to pick up? And when it ended, yeah. I pissed off. I'm like, this was such a waste of my time. Like it, it, it was got, really Yeah, it progressively got more boring as it went on. I, the only crazy part to me was just seeing how 
there's that many tigers in a random state in this guy's backyard. Like the first couple episodes where it's just like, what the fuck? I didn't like that's going I, my, on in someone's I, backyard. I have tenacity with being having the balls to just be around tigers. Like it's like, oh, I'm sipping on a Kool-Aid in my car, just rubbing this guy's belly here. Just like it's miles in the front seat with Dan. That's what I thought was amazing. I'm like, this guy is out to out of his fucking mind. Dude, how about when they fucking bring the tigers in suitcases through the casinos in Vegas? It's like, wait, I'm never going to go to Vegas again and not look at the guy next to me and think to myself, like, there could be a tiger in this guy's suitcase. Dude, anytime you bring it up to his room. Vegas, it's bad news, clearly. We, any big duffel bag going through a casino in Vegas, it's like, uh-oh, what's really going on here? You're so right. That's my new belief because, like, you go to Vegas with an overnight bag. You're there for three days. If you yeah. have a big suitcase in Vegas, you are up to some sketchy shit. They shouldn't shit. allow it anymore. Sketchy. They should say, listen, this is Vegas. You're not going to Asia for two months. What's going on with the double bag? <laughs> we need to open this bag and see if there's a tiger in it. We should open <laughs> a hotel in Vegas that only allows, like, overnight bags. I think it would <laughs> But yeah, guys. Uh, oh, I never even went into my food coma earlier. I forgot about that. It was pretty weak last night. I, I was feeling pizza and ended up resorting to healthy dumplings and chicken and rice. So I, I almost need to, I feel like I need to eat pizza tonight because I've been really proud of myself with the lack of pizza I've had since I moved here. Since this lockdown started, I've been like paranoid about putting on a belly. So I've just been <laughs> going out of my way to run steps, do push-ups. Like, I'm like, am I going to come out of this a fat slob? And if, I probably lost weight, if anything. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what happens. Yeah. So I, I think tonight might be a – Corey, what's the pizza spot I should go with tonight? Uh, I, uh, uh, I can't even this. John's a bleaker, 100%. Ooh. Now we're talking. Yeah, Dan, when you get out here, we'll crush it. Dude, I can't wait till I can come out there and kick it with you guys. Well, what'll, like just the, that'll be when it gets nice out, when you're able to come up here. It'll be like the best time of year. That's what I'm pumped about too, Corey, is when we finally could go out and about. Spring is starting now. Like I even felt it today, finally. I'm like, finally, some warm weather. Yeah, the last few days have been beautiful. Yeah. I feel like that's what New York needs too, to kind of like stop the virus. Like there's got to be something where – it's a virus. People don't get viruses but, as much as warm weather. Like, dude, that's but, just you know, you know what's happening is like we've had a couple of days here that have been like 60s and beautiful, and everyone goes out and about, and it's like, dude, stay the fuck home. I know it's I un- saw it today. unreal. And you have these idiots that are older that you're trying to help out by staying away from, and they're just like looking at their feet. It's like, yo, idiots, look up. You're about to run into a guy younger than you that might give you the corona accidentally. It's I don't know. They don't give a shit or what? It's crazy. You guys know Joey Diaz? Joey it sounds Diaz. familiar. Yeah, he's like an actor comedian. He was like in The Longest Yard. He's going to be in the Sopranos movie that's coming out. There's a he was coming out? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Wow. And then he's, How are they doing without Tony alive? It's, the, it's his son playing him. Oh, man. Is it actually the son from the, move, from the yeah. show? No, no, it's the son from real life. Oh, Oh, wow. That's, see, that's awesome. Cool. I think that. Yeah. yeah. But he was saying how, like, he went to this park in L.A. thinking, like, oh, I'll go make some calls from the park. And he got there and, like, 
basically had a panic attack because of how busy he was. He's like these fucking people, and he's got like the greatest accent ever, and that's part of what makes him so funny. But he was talking about how the people are like all running right behind each other. He's like they're all just following each other, running in circles around the path, like breathing in the air. He's like these fucking idiots, and it was it was cracking me up. I was dying. He's so funny. It is wild how there's still people even in New York. I'm saying, I'm like, have you been like in a hole for the past six weeks? Like, how are you not getting the memo here? Like, I I actually don't get that. Maybe it's people that are just self-destructive that are like, what what are you? what, What are you seeing? What are you seeing? Just like people that are like not going out of their way to social distance when they're walking around running like just blatantly not giving a shit that there's someone on the side of the street right next to them. And they're like brushing by them. Like this girl the other day walking her dog on the phone. I, she almost literally ran right into me. And I I was like, excuse me. Like it was so annoying because (laughs) you know, it's like, Hey, look up and I'm going out of my way on another level guys to avoid people. Like it's, it's becoming like annoying how much I've done it, but I'm, you know, better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I've been doing the same thing. Like, I live pretty much on the East River, like a block away. I'm running on the side past people. And you just have people literally just, there's so many people in there. Yeah, you're there bumping into people. And it's like, come on. Even though I'm doing it, I'm like, stay home. Dude, I've been walking in the middle of the streets. I've realized that gives me the most room to run with being able to not hit people on the sidewalks. And there's so little cars that that's yeah, where I have the most space to not actually be within six feet. I'm going literally walking in the middle of streets and no one else is doing it. People are like looking at me like, what the hell is going on? It's like, well, this is a one way street. There's no cars within <laughs> shouting distance. I'm going to keep walking here. Yeah. It, the scary part are just homeless people with nowhere to go. Just taking over the city streets at night. Well, yeah, like, literally going. The shelters are down. So, like, going out in New York right now, like, past 8 o'clock is one of the most eerie, creepy things I've ever done. Oh, man. Talk more about that. That sounds crazy. Yeah, we went, like, me and Sarah went grocery shopping on Friday, and it was literally, one, and there was, like, four people in the store. The streets were completely empty, but then you see, like, some homeless people, and, you know, it freaks you out at night. It's so eerie. And then you see every, you know, popular restaurant shut down completely empty the chairs on the tables it just doesn't make sense the cvs closed at 8 p.m the bodegas were shut down after eight like everything was shut and it was just like get me the fuck out of here i can't wait to go home (laughs) god damn that's so crazy yeah i uh i definitely am having a much different experience where i am than you guys are in new york with just the dynamics of you know the way new york city is compared to really anywhere else I feel like no one is having, Mike, this will make you feel good. I saw some guy tweet this, and I was going to send it to you, and I'll just bring it up now. And he was basically like, you know, that whole belief that you have to live in New York City for 10 years to be considered a New Yorker should no longer exist. If you've been here for one day and, like, stuck it out during this, like, you're a fucking New Yorker. And I was like, hell yeah, Mike, that's you. Corey, you're obviously already in New York. You live there. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, my, I was born in New York. So I'm a, I'm a yeah. New Yorker for 33 years. But well, I agree with that. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Even in like, if you were there for 9-11 and you experienced that, I think the same thing. Like you're a New Yorker. Yeah. Like, weird. I just yeah. Sounds I'm pumped that I, as my, some people might hear this and like, this guy's an absolute psycho, but I'm pumped that I moved back here when I did. Cause it's also, you know, as you guys know, I've been helping 
build up a network with these guys with the in my scrubs with that they've been feeding the hospital workers just like we're helping with in our college towns but it's been cool just having the opportunity to do stuff that under any other circumstances you wouldn't so that i think when the dust settles on this it'll be cool looking back at that first chapter in new york being so unsettling but i think it'll make me appreciate this city even way more than i would have ever oh yeah yeah capable of. Big time. You can only go up from here. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Sure. Yeah, the uh, everyone, it's been crazy how many people are trying to just help, whether it's donations or whatnot. I mean, we've raised a ton of money through our sites alone to feed hospital workers. Like, we just started this thing in Bloomington last week, and we raised, like, a grand in the first week for the Monroe Hospital in Bloomington, Indiana, which when you think about Amazing. it, that's going to, yeah, that's going to buy that entire hospital force of workers like an awesome meal oh, which is sick to think meals. about that's yeah, awesome. awesome and then in boulder feed the front lines they've raised four hundred thousand dollars in two weeks which is just wow. insane. that's wild because this campaign that i've been helping these guys with they've raised like 65 grand in a week which i thought Dude, was dope i and, was mind blown well, by it, i saw the numbers in saying that like you were saying dan where i've been impressed those with the boulder thing was clearly top heavy with a few big donors that made up most of that. This thing has been like literally thousands of smaller donations, which is well, where sick. Yeah, that's where I'm pumped about us now joining it. Cause like when we, when I talked to the guy this morning, that was their biggest hurdle. Even though it's not a hurdle, they've raised 400 grand. So in reality, they don't necessarily care. But he was like, I feel like there's way more people that want to be involved in giving than we've been able to get out to. We've had all these big donors. But what we've done before this guy responded to us is we had our donation foundation for the WHO, the COVID WHO Foundation. So when people went to check out when they were ordering from us in Boulder, you could down, donate to the WHO Foundation. And a lot of people were doing that. And we were raising hundreds of dollars all through small loans. Like someone would donate two bucks, five bucks, three dollars, whatever it is. And that's like a whole nother network of people who just want to feel good about themselves feel like they're contributing to a cause. So now that we're opening up feed the front lines to all the Hungry Buff users, you're going to get a bunch of people that are going to donate little amounts and still be a part of this whole cause, which is great. And that's I was actually, it is great. I was telling uh, Dan earlier, Corey, I wish we were already in New York with our tech because the amount of I've seen, even with like the coordinating with people placing orders from these restaurants that need to be dropped off to the hospital. I was like, man, this would be so turnkey if Tokyo was here where we could just plug oh, yeah. in. It's been such a shit show, guys. Like, <laughs> that's where I love our team and how biased we are of having the stuff we do. If you've seen, if you would look at this process that's been going on, like with the girl that's handling hospitals, I, I'm laughing just thinking Anthony seeing this, he would literally lose his fucking mind on this girl it's been such micromanaging one-off things kind of like dan how i was when i first met anthony and me and you were both to an extent which yeah. is like do little things you could tell and i've tried to just bite my tongue a bit because i know people are just doing their best here and it's not this isn't a business it's more just to help this cause but it's been wild i take for granted how our system really from in what I've been helping these guys with, it's like before Anthony built the dispatch. Is yeah, the for we were screenshotting orders and seriously. dude, it's so many one-off texts in a way where I'm just like, oh my god, like how is this not all streamlined on a back end? 
Like for I our listeners, in case you're wondering, Tokyo is what we call our technology backend dispatcher. Mike was not talking about the actual city of Japan when he said, I wish Tokyo was in New York. I feel like that probably confused a ton of people. For sure. Yeah, but that's <laughs> the whole thing. And that's where I think even like heading forward when Dan, I was talking Corey to Dan about the Boulder thing, just the notion of being able to have a platform to connect those dots for anything ongoing. And I'm wondering if we could utilize my involvement with these guys to do something bigger with our company where maybe we team up with a few of these other big power influencer businesses to create one bigger nonprofit together. So that that's something I actually threw out there to the founder of this guy earlier. So he, he thought that was really interesting. That's something for us to think about. Yeah, we might yeah. be able to make a, a bigger impact with fighting hunger on a much bigger level, bringing in some other companies to, you know, where everyone's transactions go towards the cause type of thing. I think yeah, I mean, over here. he's pulling a Zoolander with his uh, blue steel look. Corey? Is he <laughs> yeah, frozen? Frozen on the TV. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll end there, though, Dan. That, that seems All to right. be a good way to rock it, wrap it up. Strapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get low down, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.